What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hi, this is Ideation Collective. I'm Jess, and today we're interviewing Dylan, who's going to be talking about her experience as a former day-to-day manager for Imagine Dragons and current manager for up-and-coming band Von Gray. I want to struggle with a band. I, I want to sleep on floors with Von Gray. <laughs> you know, I want to sleep on floors of hotel rooms. I want to be at rehearsals. I want to help with the branding. I want, yeah, I, I just want to be such a part of this, an integral part of this to where when if we make it, it we, we've made it together. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview rocket scientists, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. If you like what you hear, we're also going to be releasing exclusive bonus materials like PDF checklists, reports, and presentations, but only for members of the collective. If you're interested in those, as of this recording, you can still join for free on the Ideation Collective website, which is iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. Also, before getting rolling, we want to invite you to consider helping the charity our founders started called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the United States and abroad. One of our foreign projects we're working on right now is helping to build an aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru. To learn more about that, please come to the Child Rescue section on our website, iCollective.co slash Child Rescue. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Dylan, thanks for being on the show. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, kind of a fun intro there. Sounds like you've, you've done some things that uh, a lot of people think are cool. Can you tell us about some of, the, some of the cool things that you've done in your career so far? Well, I started with Reynolds Management uh, about three and a half years ago. And they have the Killers and Imagine Dragons, of course, and a band called Paper Route. Um, and I was the day-to-day for Imagine Dragons and Paper Route. So when I came in, it was right during the upward trajectory after Radioactive came out for Imagine Dragons. And so I got to be a part of the, the Grammy performance, and, you know, winning a Grammy and AMAs and, you know, Radioactive went on to be the longest charting song in Billboard history. And I got to be a part of all of that. So it's, it was a wild ride. Fun. What are some of the, what are the, some of the more fun venues or, you know, people that you were excited to meet going around with, with the dragons? Um, Taylor Swift. That, that was one of them. Um, when I was in college, I, I did a little Taylor Swift impersonating. <laughs> um, so, so I was excited to meet her and, and chat about that. Um, Hold on. Far- I think we have to talk about that because okay. you were, it wasn't a little bit of Taylor Swift impersonating. Y- yeah, Can you give, I, people, give people the background on that? So uh, when I was 21, I was looking for a job, you know, and I was going to UNLV and um, my boyfriend at the time, his mom worked at uh, the Imperial Palace. And she said, they have these impersonators and I think you'd be great at it. And I'm not a performer. I, oh, so not a performer. 
Uh, so I went in to audition for to be Taylor Swift. And they made me do uh, Britney Spears <laughs> because Taylor Swift was too young. And it was, I was the worst. I mean, I, there are drag queens that were better Britney impersonators than I was. Um, <laughs> it was, it wasn't good. So I did Britney for about a year and then, uh, then Taylor Swift for about three and a half after that. So explain what that means. People, I come into the casino. Yeah. So, so you walk in the casino, there was a, uh, like a party pit, uh, type atmosphere in the middle and you'd have to get up and, and perform a song three times a night. And when you weren't performing, you were dealing cards and interacting with people. And, um, it, it really solidified for me that I don't want to be in the, in the public <laughs> eye at all. Um, but it was, uh, it was 40 hours a week and it was, it was 40 hours a week of being Taylor. You know what I mean? So, so did even, you, did you tell her about this when you met her? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I did. I did. What did she, what was her reaction? Uh, she thought it was cool. She was, you know, I think maybe a little creeped out, but, <laughs> but, but she thought it was cool. Um, uh, she was really sweet about it. Um, we got a picture and stuff. So that was, uh, I think the photo made up for, you know, a lot of long nights and early mornings for school and a lot of cigarette smoke in my face and, you know, um, but it was a good experience. It, it honestly, it prepared me to be a better manager, I think as strange as that sounds, because it's like knowing what it's like to put on your makeup every day. You know, it's a little different when you're trying to look like someone else, but to put on the makeup every day and, you know, your full performance attire and to have to turn on this persona that's not really necessarily how you're feeling, um, it, it really made me be able to relate to the artist more and go, you know, I know you don't want to go out there today. I know you have a migraine. I know that's awful, but, you know, you have to do it. The show goes on, you know. So, uh Yeah. It was it was a good experience. It was it was good while it lasted. <laughs> but I'm glad it's over. So, um, why don't we start with um, what you think people would not know about the entertainment industry at the level you've been involved, unless they've been involved at that level? Like, what are some of the nuances or subtleties that that the rest of us wouldn't know about um, not having been there yet? You know, I think that there's uh, there's a perception that that it's glamorous, um, and there there are glamorous elements to the industry. You know, you, you do the, the fan facing things, the red carpets, you do get your hair and makeup done. And that's, that's awesome. But the reality is those things are few and far between. And you're actually working 16 to 18 hour days a lot of times. And, and, you know, if in, in music you get into it because you love your craft and it's, it's so rare that that is the focus of what you're doing. You know, you're as an artist, you're, you're rarely in the studio. Because you're on the road and you're doing promo, and and I think that it's it's much more exhausting, and it, it it is it's a real job, you know. But it's a job that never ends for a lot of these people, and that's for me that was the biggest realization is you know Imagine Dragons are always Imagine Dragons. They don't get to turn off that you know they're they're, they're working all the time. It's like you go out to dinner with your family, you're still working if you end up taking photos the entire time, you know. Uh, for them, it's it's not as bad. But someone like a Taylor Swift or Britney Spears or something. Sure, they make a lot of money. Sure, they love what they do, but they work all the time. You know, it's nonstop. And the glamour, it's all an illusion. Everything's an illusion. That's the biggest biggest thing I think that people don't realize. So thinking about a lot of our viewers who are either entrepreneurs or they're they're in an organization, whether it's a charity or a corporation, that they're in charge of growing something and they're in charge of doing something. And Mm -hmm. half of that, you know, half of it's having something awesome, having half of it is getting people to want it from you, right? Yeah. So uh, many, many people recognize the benefit of getting involved with somebody who's in the public eye as a way to promote what they're working on. 
Um, obviously, we we met through uh, the wonderful Lindsay Hadley and Time Machine. Yes, sure. Do. sure, love Lindsay and those guys. And uh, we should we should talk about Lynn some more here. Yeah. But, um, but uh, what advice would you have for people who they want to partner with people who already have a reputation, um, who are likely getting hit up all the time for "Don't you want to do this for us?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that being consistent is the most important thing. I think. You know, I've worked with a lot of very successful people and, you know, I've been fortunate to, you know, to, to be in rooms with, with really some of the, the industry's biggest innovators. And the one takeaway is they're consistent. They're, you know, they email you back 30 minutes at the most from when you email them. They, if they say they're going to do something, they do it. So as, you know, a young entrepreneur coming up myself, it's, it's, I understand how the importance of being consistent, being prompt, coming through with what you say you're going to come through with, you know, because you can say anything you want to say. The thing that sets the successful people apart from the ones that, you know, have all this potential, but things never seem to work out for them is that they, they waver in their consistency. Um, that I think that's the most important thing. And for me, that was something I struggled with in the beginning because, you know, not necessarily coming through with what I say I'm going to come through with, but understanding the important importance of being reliable. Um, mm. you can be, you can be the smartest person in the world. You can be, you know, have, have such an important job, but it's, if you're not consistent, these people won't continue to work with you. You know, you'll, you'll hit a glass ceiling where you're at. And so, um, do you have any tips for maybe some of us who would like to be more reliable, but maybe it's not our natural aptitude or like tricks or examples in your life that you followed or what would you say to someone who wants to work on that? <laughs> I read a book <laughs> um, right when I graduated college. I read this book, and it was um, a, a Thousand Little Things That Happy and Successful People Do Differently. It was by Mark and Angel Chernoff. They have a blog uh, that okay, I, I we'll, should, we'll have. It, we'll put a link. We'll put an Amazon link on the please, on the page please here. Please do, maybe okay. here. Um, but I read this book and, and it, it was because for me, I'm I'm definitely not an aloof person, but I'm not always. Uh, I don't, I don't like to always be on, on the grid. <laughs> you know, I like to sometimes go off the map and have my alone time. Um, but reading that book really made me understand the importance of consistency again in my scheduling. You know, it's, I, I have a tendency to, if I don't go to bed before 10, I don't go to bed till four then, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, you know, setting a bedtime, getting up, working out, you know, having a daily routine, that is conducive to you being productive throughout the day. It's, yeah, it's conducive to you starting sure. your day earlier because, you know, the earlier you start, the sooner you can end it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that's really, you know, that's really it. But I, I highly recommend any entrepreneur, uh, read that book, you know, just, uh, and, and, and hold yourself accountable, you know, so often we make excuses for why we're not, you know, oh, I, uh, gosh, I could, sorry, I couldn't get back to you, you know, got caught up in my outbox, you know, yeah, and I'm, yeah, sure yeah. For, you know I'm sure for a lot of people, kids are sick, kids do get sick. So I, I don't have that excuse, unfortunately, I probably would have used it. But, um, but I think, you know, just, just holding yourself accountable, being consistent, you know, that's, that's the only advice I have. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're like me on, on the whole book thing. Like yeah. there's all these ideas of like what I know I should do. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes I find like certain books help me like make that internal commitment mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what I actually like of actually doing what I Absolutely. thought I should do. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you study successful people and that's something I do regularly is I'm fascinated by people's stories and how they got where they got and, and having been fortunate to work with, you know, some very successful people, it's, 
they're, they're all very consistent and that's in the way that they live their lives as well. You know, that's not just in business. That's they're, they're people that hold themselves accountable and, and that you can count on. And, and, you know, and that's what I'm trying to model my life after in my career. You know, yeah. I, I want to be someone that people want to do business with. So that's great. Yeah. Well, um, thinking about the success. So, so, um, how long were you day-to-day manager with dragons? Um, probably formally, uh, two, two years or so, two and a half. Um, I started working with, with Mac Reynolds, um, quite a bit and, and, you know, spent a lot of time just getting to, to watch him in action. And, and, you know, that was, that was during a time that I think he was kind of feeling his way in, in his new role as well, because no, nothing prepares you for the trajectory of, you know, that success, how quickly it came or how quickly, quickly it came. But, um, you know, just getting to, to watch him handle his his business affairs and um and and the 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 way that he did it the honesty with which he works the you know he is the most reliable person um in terms of business and so yeah i think that after about a year of watching him then i kind of settled into that role when when i he realized he could you know trust me as well to turn some things over to me um i did that for about two two and a half years and and it was it was awesome. It was a lot of work. And, and, you know, you, you don't get into this industry and, and, you know, love it unless you're, you're a diehard because it is a lot of work, but getting to see, you know, the fans reactions to the band, of course, getting to chat with them, get to know them on a personal level, um, getting to work with the Tyler Robinson foundation, the band's charity. It's, it's, that was the biggest, um, in my life, I think, you know, my biggest growth period has been the last three and a half years and very thankful to have had the opportunity. So, well, and, and for any of our viewers who are not as familiar with the band and their success, can you give us some of the the bigger highlights and the, the trajectory that you're talking about? Yeah. So they, uh, I think they formed as a band probably about seven years ago now and they started playing uh, at Vegas casinos. So they would play, you know, O'Shea's and, you know, on Fremont street and anywhere that would have them. Um, and they, Gosh, I want to say maybe that was a year or two in. They uh, Alex DeKid, um, who was with Interscope and Kinda Quarter Records, heard one of their demos, from what I understand, from what I remember the story to be. And uh, they started to work together. And, and the result of that work uh, was Night Visions, which came out in 2012. That was their, uh, their first LP. Um, they released it, Radioactive or it's time being the lead single, I believe I, I'm getting going to get this mixed up. Um, so hopefully they don't fault me for that, but, um, believe it's time came out prior to radioactive when radioactive came out, it blew up and they were in the middle of an arena tour at the time, like a smaller, uh, arena tour. And midway through they had to, uh, upsize, you know, the, the size of any that they were playing. And that, that really doesn't happen very often. Um, they, you know, they were booking things so quickly that it would be, I remember one time specifically that they had a show in the UK and had to fly back overnight on an overnight commercial flight for the American Music Awards. And then they turned right back around and got back on a flight to the UK to play a show on back-to-back nights in the UK, but still make the award show. So um, it, it was a really crazy year for them. And, um, you know, that song, like I said, went on to be the longest charting song in Billboard history. And you, you can't go to a grocery store <laughs> without hearing it. And I think that'll be the case for them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> you know, that will be the song that will be like Britney's baby one more time that kind of follows them around. And that's okay. Cause that's so that like, 
how big would be the biggest venue? How big's the biggest crowd that they would played? You know, I think um, on average, I think they were playing on this last tour, 15,000 cap rooms. Um, they have played much larger that, you know, you play festivals like Lollapalooza in Brazil. And, you know, I don't even want to throw out a number because I'm going to be so off, but in the hundreds of thousands of people that go in it, you know, and I, I never got to go watch one of those, but just seeing the videos from it is just, you know, like never ending sea of people. And, uh, yeah, so, so they've gotten to experience a lot of really awesome things and, and, uh, yeah, now it's just, they, they put out their second album in February of last year. Um, which, you know, was great record. Um, they self-produced the album. They bought a little house in Vegas and renovated it into a recording studio. And, and, uh, we would go there every day. And I think my role in that process was just to, you know, get everybody lunch. <laughs> um, and just, you know, make, make sure that, you know, that their needs were taken care of. And they just worked every day. It was like nine to five. And that's probably not true. 10 to six, uh, <laughs> um, you know, recording and, you know, getting to be a part of that was, it was pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to go on and talk about kind of the, the next chapter in your life and the, the entrepreneurial adventure you're looking at. But, um, when you think about the kind of lessons you're bringing to that, what are some of the things that you've, that you've seen either the dragons do or the killers that, you know, as you look forward in your career and helping artists of like the smart things they did that not everybody does that you, you plan to emulate and you plan to keep with you? You know, again, I think that anybody that, that knows uh, of the band, of either band and, you know, of the, the Reynolds family uh, and the, the team as a whole is the reliability and the consistency. And, you know, they, they don't, they're not partiers, you know, so they, they're in bed early when they're supposed to be and they're, they're up early. And, and I think that's the biggest difference is a lot of times in this industry, it's, you, you do network quite a bit, uh, late night. I'll just call it network. Um, and, and a lot of artists, their, their career suffers because of that. So I, you know, I learned the importance of, you know, really getting your sleep and, you know, you're, because they're running, they're being ran ragged a lot of times when they're on the road or doing promo, just, uh, you know, to take care of yourself and, and, that's mentally, physically, you know, um, make sure that your basic physiological needs are met. Um, it is the, the takeaway. And it sounds so silly, but that is the reason that a lot of bands don't make it, you know, is they get caught up in, in the scene and, and the partying and, you know, and they're, you're, you're on the road, you're away from your family and becomes a very, it can become a sad thing. You know, you can start to resent your craft and, and your job if you're not, you know, in, in touch with your, you know, whether that's you're in with your inner self and whether that's like, you know, a spiritual thing, whatever it is for you as a person. Um, I ever, it's so important that, that you stay true to, to your roots and, and, you know, you keep that as the forefront, uh, importance in your life. So, um, well, you know, on our other phone calls, you've talked about the Tyler Robinson foundation and how much you've enjoyed that work. Can you tell everybody a bit more about what the foundation is and some of the things you've been able to do with them? Yeah. The Tyler Robinson foundation was formed in 2013 by Dan, uh, and the Robins, Dan Reynolds and the, the Robinson family. Um, and when I say Dan Reynolds, that's probably, it was their idea. And, you know, then the entire band, Imagine Dragons band and the family uh, collaborated on it. But it was for a fan named Tyler Robinson, who was an avid, avid Imagine Dragons supporter. His favorite song was It's Time. And he, uh, he had cancer. Um, and Jesse Robinson, Tyler's brother, wrote to Dan when they were playing a show in Utah 
in Provo and said, hey, you know, just letting you know, my brother's going to be in the audience, not expecting anything, but just know we're here. He's a big fan. And so during the show, Dan said, you know, is Tyler here? You know, and, and so they kind of everybody in the crowd pushed him up to the front. And there's this beautiful moment uh, where Dan and Tyler are singing It's Time Together. And, you know, they, they put their heads together and it's just it, it's it's beautiful. So from there, they became friends. They started texting a bunch. And Dan always tells the story how. You know, that Tyler texted him and said, like, I promise I won't use your number all the time. Like, you know, I, I promise I'll keep it secret. And uh, so they became pretty good friends. And, and it was when the band was on the road that uh, they, you know, learned of Ty- Tyler's passing. And so it was it was immediate that and, and almost a knee jerk reaction. You know, it's just we have to do something. We have to give back. Sorry, got a piece of hair in my face. Um, we have to give back. And uh, so they formed the Tyler Robinson foundation and, you know, Mac Reynolds sits on the, as the executive, no, not the, he's the chairman of the board. Uh, Jesse Robinson is an integral part, the Robinson family. We just uh, had the second gala, annual gala in Las Vegas this year. And, and what the, the, what the foundation does is they, they cover the unseen costs of pediatric cancer. So they adopt families around the country and they pay their expenses and the expenses that you wouldn't expect to come from, you know, childhood cancer or having an ill child, which is, you know, cover their mortgages, cover daycare costs for their other kids, you know, um, the cost of gas, whatever it is that they need help with that gets overlooked. Um, the Tyler Robinson family tries to, or foundation tries to swoop in and, and kind of help out. So it's, it's the most rewarding thing in my time, you know, with the bands and, and Reynolds that I was able to be a part of, and I am able to be a part of, and and it's a it's it's a beautiful thing. So well, um, obviously, it's the way that we met, as we mentioned through Lindsay and the the, the Time Machine campaign. Um, and you know, on our other calls, we've talked about people who've influenced us and stuff, and um, you know that connection, Hadley Impact Consulting, that got us together here. So uh, let's talk about Lindsay for fun because she's not here, and we can. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, what, tell me what it is that uh, made you such a Lindsay fan. You know, she uh, she had written us about um, the Time Machine app. And at that time, sorry, this piece of hair is going to drive me crazy. There we go. Okay. I, I owe it to Lindsay to not be constantly picking at my lip when, when I'm talking about her. Um, <laughs> so she had written us about the, the Time Machine app, which she had started, which, you know, as, as you know, but people watching probably don't know, it, it incentivizes people to spend their time wisely. And it puts them up to challenges that, um, you know, could be the, the amount of minutes for each challenge that you complete, the t- there's like a, you know, a tally at the end and whatever the, the grand prize is, the pe- people that have spent the most minutes, um, then win this prize. So in, in our case, it was the, you know, an Imagine Dragons concert and they got to come out and, and yeah, someone got to meet the band and I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, what made me fall in love with Lindsay was she's, she's so cool. You know, she's just, she's so driven and she, she works tirelessly to make sure that she's helping other people fulfill their, their dreams. And I always respect that in people, you know, she, she didn't, I, I at the time when we first met, I was, I, I didn't know a lot about nonprofits and, and she took every Thursday night, we started having a, a call at 9 p.m. <laughs> and she would spend about an hour talking to me and teaching me about nonprofits and, and you know, the, the importance of, you know, the way that you set up certain, you know, departments and, and the importance of, you know, keeping everybody uh, mission aligned. And, you know, she, she does everything she does because she's passionate about it. None of it is for monetary gain. 
you know, it's like she doesn't care. She could make a dollar, <laughs> you know, a year and still invest the same amount of time and passion into a project as if she was making a million dollars. And that's, that's the kind of person that I want to do business with. You know, it's, I want, I want to do business with people that are passionate about what they're doing and they're doing it for the right reasons. And, uh, yeah, I fell in love with her and she's just funny. You know, she just, she's amazing. She's amazing. I yeah. Mean, we've got another episode with her. We'll put a link down here on the page on, on your page here on ideationcollective.com cool. uh, to Lindsay's interview. Um, cool. You know, when you think about how magnetic she is and, and how generous she is and the, the way that people are drawn to join the entourage and help out with whoever she's helping out and stuff, um, what aspects of being around her and seeing her operate do you want to emulate or do you work at? You know, I think that oftentimes when people are in business or they're conducting business, they think they have to, you know, act a certain way and sit sit up straight and, you know, be very proper. Um, but Lindsay's just herself. You know, she's, she's just Lindsay. You know, she'll call and she'll be like, dude, you know, what's up? I had the hardest day and, you know, and it's, and, but then the next sentence will be like, but I did close this massive deal and it's going to help out, you know, millions of kids around the world. You know, it's like, you know, she's just herself. And that's for me, that's what I want to be in business. You know, it's like, I, I want to be able to call out the people that I'm doing business with and go like, dude, you know, it's, it's been a long day. You know? uh, because I think that it's more relatable. It's, it's, it's so people can, you know, it's a tangible thing that people can grab onto in a phone call and go, you know what? I, I like Daylene because she's real, you know? And, and that's, you know, that's the thing about Mac Reynolds too is, uh, working with him is just people like him because he's real. You know, he, he's a real dude. He'll tell you, you know, almost to a fault though with him. And Lindsay's the same too. Like, oh, sorry, you know, had to had to feed the kid, had to change a diaper. You know, it's like, okay, maybe maybe a little more business, please, Lindsay. You know, <laughs> you know? like maybe don't tell me everything. <laughs> but but I appreciate that, and that's that's the biggest thing. And it's you know, it's it's again, it's it's the passion she has for what she does. You know, it's anybody that approaches their work so tirelessly because they're passionate about what they're doing is someone that I want to, you know, I want to emulate that because the reality is you don't make a lot of money in music unless you hit it huge. You know, uh, you don't make a lot of, you know, your goal in, in nonprofit work. It's like, you're already just, you know, a saint. If you, if, if you make that your, your life goal and if you're doing it for, for pure reasons, you know, if you're not doing it for the press that you, that you might get to align your band with it or something, if you're doing it because, you know, you really care. Um, I admire you and I, you know, want you in my life and I want to emulate those things about you, you know? Yeah, that's great. Um, well, I typically, you know, one of the other questions we like to ask people is, you know, so thinking about other people who have nonprofits, obviously our family started the Child Rescue Association. Um, what kind of advice would you have for someone like us to get the word out? Like, you know, obviously the way Lindsay's done things works, the way that yeah. you guys have done the music industry has got things out. What, what kind of advice would you have for getting the child rescue message out? You know, I think aligning with, um, with sincere people that, that really care about the cause that have a, a big uh, reach it is always helpful. You know, it's, if, if you can take the passion for, you know, and obviously you with child rescue, as passionate as you are about that, 
you make me believe you. You know, when, when we speak about that, I believe you and I, and my heart breaks with yours. And assuming I had this, you know, 10 million person reach on my social medias, I would want to help get the message out there. So I think for, for people in your shoes and, you know, very similarly in my shoes with, with an up and coming band now, I need to make people feel my passion for, you know, for my project. And for you, this is your passion. I feel that. So it's, I want to help you get that message out however I can. Um, and I think that so, so often people, you know, they, they try to dim that passion a little bit, you know, they try to downplay it and go like, you know, just be very like matter of fact about what they're doing and no, (laughs) go in there and go, no, this is important. This is important to me. You know what I mean? This is, I, I would, you know, I would give up everything to go help these kids. You showing me that passion, like feel that from you. I want to help. You know, I, I think that that's the biggest thing. That's great. Yeah. Well, um, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about the next chapter of your life and, and, yeah. uh, and I'll just, I'll lead it there and throw you a softball. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I am, I, I've been with Reynolds for three and a half years and, um, I recently started managing a young girl band named Von Gray out of Atlanta. Um, and I think I, I know I'm, I'm going to take them. I'll be leaving Reynolds and, and take them either independently or, or to another management company. But, uh, it's a huge jump, you know, for me. It's, it's, it's maybe a, a little brave. It feels brave. Maybe it's uh, the natural progression of things, but for me, it, it feels, you know, like a, a brave move, um, that I'm terrified of, but it's, it's my career has come to a point where I, there's nothing else I can do there, um, at Reynolds that is going to, uh, fulfill me and, and challenge me the same. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I want to, the first time you and I spoke, I, I think you, you, the comment that you grabbed onto most was, I want to struggle with a band. You know, I want, I didn't get to be a part of that with Imagine Dragons. I, I came in, you know, when the upward trajectory had already started. So, I, I want to sleep on floors with Von Gray. <laughs> you know, I want to sleep on floors of hotel rooms. I want to be at rehearsals. I want to help with the branding. I want, you know, I, I want to be incentivized, you know, and I want, yeah, I, I just want to be such a part of this, an integral part of this to where when, if we make it, it we, we've made it together, you know, and I, I loved my time with Imagine Dragons and, um, but I couldn't help with that. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't help with that. Those pieces were already in place. So it, it, it didn't fulfill me as much as it will, hopefully, as it will when, you know, the girls win an award or, you know, uh, I, I'm able to, you know, walk them down a red carpet or, you know, watch them win a Grammy. It's like, oh, you know, that's the dream. So, yeah. yeah. So, so that, that's what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, they're, they're 15 to 20 years old. They're classically trained. So they play instruments I had never even heard of before. You know, they're, I mean, they're talking today and I can't even remember what the instrument was called that they want to learn. It was like, I, I don't know. But anyway, they, they know how to play things that I've never even heard. It's like lap steel, you know. I'm like, what is a lap steel? It's like, oh, it's kind of like a guitar, but it lays on its back and, you know, it's tuned differently. It's like, okay, I guess that's cool. I like it, you know. But I'm so drawn to them because they're just, uh, they're, they're just, <laughs> the, the way that they approach their craft is, it's like been a full-time job since they were five, you know? Um, and, and they, I, I, I heard, uh, one of them say earlier, you know, that they, they use the 10,000 hour rule in their life and, you know, to get where they're at. And that's, and that's so true. It's, they, they've probably practiced 10,000 hours and they are just some of the best musicians I've ever heard and just so passionate. So I, I think I'd be remiss not to, 
you know, make a leap and, and sleep on some floors for a while <laughs> if we need to, uh, while we're getting where we're going. But. Well, that's fun. And, uh, you know, thank you very much for getting them on the show. We, we'll, oh, you know, so. for anybody on YouTube, if you come to Daylin's page on ideationcollective.com, you can see the interview with, uh, with the sisters from Von Gray. So four sisters, youngest is 15. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Youngest is 15. Uh, it's Annika. It's Catherine's 20, Annika's 19, Fiona's 17, and Petra's 15. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a learning curve for me because, one, I didn't realize I'd gotten, maybe not old, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing the difference between 15 and 28. You know, it's, you forget all the little milestones in between. Uh, so I, I just learned how to Snapchat. You know, that, that was a big thing for me. I think I'm a little slow on the uptake, but uh, the girls think I'm, you know, 75, I think, <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, it's been a learning curve. It's, it's, uh, I've, I've learned that I'm, I'm not as cool as I thought I once was and coupled with just working with girls rather than guys, you know, it's, I, I was the, one of the only females in that Reynolds management firm and, uh, you know, our, our tour manager there was, is a female, but you know, other than that, I didn't work with many closely. And, uh, so now it's, I've got, I'm surrounded by females all the time. It's, you know, it's a lot of estrogen flowing in the house <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, it, and it's, you know, a lot more hormones. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about this. What, what is, so, there's a million bands trying to make it. There's so many young kids with a dream. Yeah. What is it about them that you're like kind of staking your future on that you're changing your whole life around? What, what, and, and what advice would you have for aspiring bands to evoke that kind of commitment in, you know, a, a brand name yeah. manager? You know, I, I think for me it was, I had, uh, we probably, you know, with Reynolds, we, we were vetting, we were vetting a lot of bands. I mean, they're, you can imagine they get tons of submissions uh, every week, really. And, and there are probably two or three that are good. With Von Gray, um, they reached out to us maybe two years ago. And they were good. You know, they'd already played Conan. They'd already played Letterman. Um, sonically, you know, they were getting there, getting to where they're going in this transition from like kind of like a, a bluegrass folk sound to now where they're at with more like electronic based. Um, but they, they just had, they had something about them. You know, they, ha- they, had, they had this passion uh, in the way they played. And for a 15-year-old, you know, little girl to make you believe when she's singing a love song, you know, it's, I knew there was something different. And after talking to them, you know, you know, for maybe six months, we had decided, eh, it's just not the right time for us. And, you know, we kind of told them that, like, it's not, it's not uh, something that we can do now. But I flew myself out to South by last year, South by Southwest, to watch them play. Because uh, I just, I couldn't leave them alone. It was like, maybe six months had passed and I just couldn't leave these girls alone. You know, I just wonder what Von Gray is doing and, you know, wonder how they're doing. And so I went and watched him play and, you know, it's these, you know, young girls in a bar, uh, at just this tiny little venue. And I walk in and I had, you know, somebody from Spotify with me and somebody from Gibson Guitars and, and, you know, <laughs> I was super confident, obviously that they'd kill it, but their sound went out. <laughs> halfway through and they're kind of looking at each other they're scared you know they've got these like big x's on their hands because they're the only ones not 21 in there and you know my as my heart was breaking for them i was kind of going okay these are my girls i think because they pulled it together and they killed it you know the rest of the set and and you know just meeting them and the uh 
you can tell when you meet someone, they, there's something different about a star to me. There's something different. There's a different passion uh, in their in their uh, their art, you know, their artwork, their art form, whatever it is. There's a different passion with which they approach it. And those girls, they just they have something about them. It's like I've heard it described about Britney Spears many times. It's like a, a fairy dust. It's like when you meet them, you feel like you're in the presence of of a celebrity. Well, I felt like that with all four of them, you know, so I'm like, yes, I'll take all four of you and your mom, you know? Um, so, so that, that's really it. You know, it's just, you're rarely going to find musicians that are this young that have not been to Berkeley or, you know, one of the, the most elite, uh, schools in the country, you know, that in college, let alone 15 to 20 years old, you know? So I, I'm, I'm excited about them. And I think anybody that hears them, anybody that sees them do what they do will be excited about them. You know, it was funny for me in the interviews, right? We were taking turns and uh, Fiona, who's 17, she's still in high school. Like yeah. her level of like personal responsibility and organization, I like feel like legitimately shown <laughs> up, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. wow, I should really be taking notes here. Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. They, yeah, I, I would never admit this to them, but I'm sure they're going to see it now. Um, I, I'm constantly Googling words after they say them, you know, because, because they've just, they're, they're so well-spoken and they, you know, they, these girls have a vocabulary. I have a pretty extensive vocabulary that I prided myself on and, you know, until I turned, you know, 27 when I met these girls, then it was like, oh my gosh, I need to go back to school. You know, my parents did me an injustice, <laughs> you know, um, but they're just, yeah, they're, they're super you know, they're super bright. They're super bright girls. And they, they are so accountable for their actions. You know, it's, they, they do things before I ask them to. And that's something, that's another thing, you know, with, if you're a young and hungry band looking to be successful, you need to be proactive. You know, you, nobody else is going to do these things for you. And especially in the modern day, uh, label setup, but even management setup, it's, not a normal thing for me, a manager to be as hands on, I think, as, as what I've been with these girls. But it's uh, nobody else is going to, you know, do your social media for you in the beginning. No one else is going to do your photos for you in the beginning. Um, you know, it, I mean, it's going to be friends and cousins and whoever, but you you need to be proactive. You can't sit around waiting for a manager to come find you. You know, you need to put in the the legwork first and then the managers will come, you know. Um, so yeah, so that, that, that's the biggest thing. So that's what these girls, you know, they, they do very well is they're self-starters. I'm just kind of here to, to keep them on the right direction, you know, and on the right path because they could go a million different, different directions. So I'm just trying to keep their mission aligned and onward and upward, hopefully. Well, you know, I was impressed, um, talking to Annika and hearing her, like, not just trying to be the artist, like she's willing to treat it like a business. She's willing to like do the, I don't know if you call it grunt work, but like mm-hmm. she just, you know what I mean? Like she was very, well, I, I was talking to her about, I went to art school and I had a lot yeah. of friends that just wanted to do the art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well here, however many years later, they're probably not artists. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing. And, and it's a delicate balance I think is, is artists don't innately have that business sense very often. Uh, they're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to, you know, just create and then rely on people like myself that don't have that ability to create, uh, to then, you know, distribute your work on, uh, you know, a mass scale. But, um, the girls were, are fortunate in that their parents 
are highly educated and highly intellectual people. And, you know, their dad uh, would sit them down for weekly meetings from the time that they were very, very young, you know. And and so even now, it's I get nervous to talk to uh, Mr. Von Gray <laughs> because, you know, they 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 do. They're a very business oriented family. And and but it's important. You know, it's important. It's if you don't have that side to what you're doing in your in your craft, you know, it's it's so easy for people to take advantage of you. Everybody's out here trying to make a buck in this industry, you know. So, so it's it's nothing but adv- uh, beneficial and super advantageous to have somebody on your side. And specifically, if you're the artist that also has that business mind, it's already you know worlds ahead of yeah. of, of the game. So. You know, I think there's a lot of people that would get the message of you need to you need to spend the ten thousand hours with your instrument. You need to spend the ten thousand hours writing the music. Um, when you think about spending the ten thousand hours on the business of getting this distributed, getting doing it in a profitable way, are there books or classes or anything that come to mind that you think people should be investing in? You know, not specifically, but I will say that um, I've always known I wanted to work in music, and. Um, when I was very young, when I was a senior in high school, I interviewed with somebody that, uh, his name is Joel Jewett and he created Activision. Uh, it was called Neversoft at the time. And then it is now what we know as Activision. And he had said, you know, I would hire you, but I want you to go to school and I want you to learn how people move, take dance courses, um, you know, go learn another language. And at the time I was thinking like, I know how people move, you know, what, who are you to tell me, you know? But I ended up going to art school. I went to a private school in Las Vegas um, with the intention of studying video production to direct music videos. But as soon as they, as soon as they asked me to write a commercial treatment, I'm like, oh, you don't get my vision. I, I want to be a music video director. Bye. You know? So I, I left that, uh, went to business school. Along the way, I took little courses that have been so beneficial to me in my career. I took you know, Photoshop courses. I took uh, final cut. I took law classes. I, you know, business. I ended up having six different majors. Um, but everything I did has led me to where I am right now, which is I, my skill set, I've got, you know, so many like skills to draw from my, when I left my Taylor Swift job, I just started a marketing company because I needed a way to make money. I learned how to build websites and code and all of those things. All of those things that you can do that are kind of like ancillary uh, skills that you can pick up along the way you should be doing them, you know, as an entrepreneur, because, you know, you start your business, you start your nonprofit, you have no one to build your website. Gosh, if you had that in in your wheelhouse, you know, it saves you time, money. And, you know, really, it's you're not waiting on people uh, and having to rely on others. So that's that's my advice. That's such great advice. You know, you think about, well, and today when you can get on squarespace.com or something for 10 bucks a month, have something that's mobile optimized, has an e-store, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or you can pay 20 bucks a month and get on lynda.com and watch those how to do Photoshop, how to do Final yeah. Cut, how to do After Effects absolutely. videos. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. it's 10 hours and then you have to practice. But yeah, absolutely. You start realizing what you have to pay the designers if you don't learn it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For for a young entrepreneur, it's amazing how, um, how people have been kind of brainwashed to believe that they need to use the best of the best and, and, you know, the professionals that have an LLC and, you know, that's not true. You can do most of these things on your own. It's like for a startup, it's like you can build your own website. You can, you know, gosh, you can handle your own finances. You can, you know, you can do everything and pretty much independently in the beginning, if you know what you're doing, (laughs) you know? Um, but so many people, you know, they spend so long trying to, mm, 
trying to do things the way that they think that they should be doing them, you know, trying to go through other channels rather than taking that time to develop the skill for themselves. That I think that's the biggest, uh, you know, another huge thing that sets the su- successful people apart from those that, you know, are sitting around waiting and relying on other people all the time. So, that's great. Yeah. Um, so thinking about, you know, things you observed that worked well for dragons and their promotion, um, can you think of any specifics that, you know, maybe weren't just an industry gimme that you yeah. saw happen that you guys are going to try to emulate or just things that you were impressed with? You know, the Dragons, um, more so than almost any other band I've ever seen, uh, care about their fans and giving them unique experiences that, um, you know, other bands just are, they they just don't. So, for example. What's an example? Yeah, great. Okay, so the Smoke and Mirrors album came out last February. And uh, the band flew 200 fans from all over the world out to Las Vegas. We we did, uh, I say we, they, uh, they did a, a treasure hunt where um, it was it was online. It was like, you know, giving all these clues to the fans. Um, and I don't remember what they were specifically now, but the first people to figure it out uh, via Twitter um, and then just some of the diehard fans, um, they flew out to Las Vegas, put them up at the Cosmopolitan Hotel, who was gracious enough to host everyone. Um, and they let them preview with the album before it came out and, and then surprised them. You know, it's like, we did this huge art gallery activation with, uh, Tim Cantor's artwork. It's, uh, if, if you haven't checked him out, do he's incredible. He did all of the artwork for the Smoke and Mirrors album, but, uh, we did a big, you know, art gallery activation where we had everyone come in and it was like silent disco and you got on board with us and they got to hear the album before anyone else. And it's like just watching 200 people walk around silently. And it's like the band's biggest fans in the world, you know, walking around silently, just looking at this artwork. And, um, and then the band popped in at the very end and surprised them. It was, it was a, it was a really beautiful thing. And I remember at the time thinking like, you know, why didn't, why didn't Britney do this when I was a kid? You know, why didn't some of my favorite bands, you know, uh, but they, they care about things like that and they do it regularly. You know, they, they're always focused on, on giving back because those are your consumers. You know, they, you're, you're not looking for, you know, just to have, have somebody buy your single tomorrow when it comes out. You're looking to have lifelong fans. And in order to establish that relationship, you need to give them things to hold on to, like tangible things, you know, that it's, it's you giving back, showing them that you appreciate. Uh, your position, you know, and, and understand that they put you there. So with Von Gray, you know, they also have a great appreciation for the people that have followed him around since they were little girls, you know, uh, playing at, at weddings and things. Um, I think we're, you know, we're going to do a, a lot of things to, to show those people that we appreciate them and, and, you know, hopefully continue to to grow the reach so that we can, you know, pick up more of them and, and uh, serve them with, super serve them, you know, with the content that they, they're looking for. So I love that. Super serve them. Super like, serve. Yeah. I need to make shirts about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. You know, it's interesting as you talk, I just think about kind of in some of the consulting I've done and the, like how much lip service in the corporate world is paid to customer service mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus, you know, how many brands can realistically say they super serve. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you, you talk about Vegas. I, uh, you know, I got to go on one of those tours at Zappos, the, mm-hmm. the online yeah. place. Right. And they're yeah. like, they bake it into the DNA. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, it's Tony Shea over there. It's like, 
uh, everybody should go tour Zappos if you get the opportunity because they, they've got it right. It's the corporate culture. You know, you go in there, you want to work there. I mean, I'm sure you did. It's like, you know, you're in there and you're like, hey, Tony, <laughs> you know, if you have any openings, call me. Because it's, you know, they, they've got games and they've got break rooms that are just, it's where I want to hang out on my free time. You know, like I don't even work there and I want to go hang out on my free time there. Um, so it's their corporate culture. And be, when your employees feel that way, then, you know, they're, they're fulfilled in what they're doing and they feel like they're being treated well. Well, then they treat your customers well. You know, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. If Tony Shea wrote a book, and of course I'm going to draw a blank on what it was. but Delivering happiness. Uh, the, what's that? Delivering happiness. Yes, yes. Everyone, everyone should check it out. Um, I, I love that book. It was the first time, yeah, I was in college when I read it. And uh, it was the first time I learned about, you know, drop shipping. And I don't know, he's just an interesting guy. Everybody yeah. should check him out. Yeah, good call. We'll, we'll put a link to it here on the page. Yeah. Um, you know, one of Lindsay Hadley's other friends, Amanda Slavin, has that. Uh, do you know about Catalyst Week? Have you talked to Lindsay about that before? I don't think so. So Amanda has this partnership with Tony and, the, um, you know, they bring in influencers. And so they, they brought me out, put me up for a week in the condo down there. And like Tony's such a real human being. Like he let us come on a tour through his apartment. <laughs> you know, who else like sells a billion dollar company to Amazon and is like right. letting, you know, like. Um, anyway, it's kind of like, uh, the real life version and the on TV version really mm-hmm. matched up and, yeah. uh, really sold it for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, that goes back to, we talked about it earlier. It's just when you're genuine and, and, and if who you genuinely are is a good person that's passionate about what you're doing, people are going to want to work with you, you know? And Tony is like, he, he is the, he epitomizes that statement like through and through. He, he's a cool, cool dude. You know, there's a reason he's been so successful. Pretty so, magnetic, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, so someday I'll come on a tour of your apartment when. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. When, when you reach that. <laughs> sure, that great, level. great. Um, well, listen, we I know we've covered a d- few different topics. Um, when you think about innovation, you think about marketing, you think about um, you know creating the kind of magnets that draw people to something. Um, there's so many people that are reaching out to the people that are in the public eye. Can you give any specifics on how to be like succinct and relevant and talk in terms of the influencer somebody's reaching out to instead of like, you know, random rambling email that's what what's in it for me? Sure, sure. Um, you have to remember that the majority of people that you're reaching out to have very limited time. And I think the biggest mistake that people make when they're when they're first starting and ingrained to whatever industry you're in is to feel the need to I- explain in such great detail in your first email what you're trying to do. You should just be trying to convey your passion for what you're doing, and you can do that in five sentences or less. You know, um, just you know, hi, this is who I am. This is the cause. I'm super passionate about it. This is who else we're we're aligning with. This is who we've reached out to. Can we jump jump on a call? You know, it should be really succinct, like you said, because people have a tendency when they get you know nervous or they're really trying to make you believe what you know what they're doing and in their mission to give you send an email that's this long. Well, it's never going to get read. You know, even the assistants, I'm sure, of some of these people are like, hmm pass, you know, um, too so, long so, didn't read. Yeah, exactly. So that's the biggest thing, you know, or just, you know, send a, send a short email and attach it, a deck, a, a well put together presentation, you know, with, with relevant statistics, cut the fat, you know, don't, uh, there, there are a lot of times that people think they need to, you know, have the fanciest graphics and, and the, the more information, the better. That's not always the case. It's, you know, your, your key points 
and, you know, your your statistics, your demographics, why should you align with me? That's it, <laughs> you know. Um, so so that's my that's my take anyway. My two cents or three cents, depending on how much yeah. you're looking for. <laughs> well, um, let's shift gears for a second. And, and um, any of the musicians who might be watching today or, or watching this online, um, what kind of advice would you have in general about, you know, we've talked about hard work, we've talked about the 10,000 hours, we've talked about being passionate. What other nuances would you say separate the good, or the great from the really amazing? I think if you look at, uh, in, in history, you look at the people that have been iconic in the music industry, they didn't conform to what everyone else was doing. And that's something that we're seeing so often in the industry now is, you know, people are trying to chase radio uh, and, and to create music that's a carbon copy of what's already out there. And that's not ever going to be iconic. It's, you know... It, in my mind and the people that I, you know, have chosen to surround myself with, we, we always talk about, you know, doing things that are iconic, doing things that are timeless. Um, a black and white photograph is always going to be timeless. Whereas if you, you know, do a photograph that's, you know, whatever it is, it's like monochrome or something, or, you know, th- that's not timeless. That'll be, that'll be dated in a year, you know? So just to, to do things that have been, you know, uh, consistent throughout the decade decades you know um elvis presley was timeless nobody was doing what he did michael jackson nobody was doing at the time what michael jackson did there'll never be another prince you know it's like you can go through the list of who you would call icons and they they didn't conform um they, they didn't conform in their styling they didn't conform in their sound um they did but but they did very traditional iconic things in their uh you know in in their their marketing um, you know, the, the black and white photographs, the, the fonts that they used. Um, it, I, that's my advice. <laughs> that's my advice. Just, you're going to walk into a record label and they're going to be scared. They'll be scared of different. And, you know, nobody that we remember, nobody that you would reference as being the greatest of all time was ever scared of being different. You know, that's just who they were. And they put their foot down. Whereas we've seen plenty of, you know, manufactured pop stars come and go in the last 15 years. It's like you, you can go, you know, in the Britney Christina era, how many followed that, you know, that are no longer relevant? You know, you couldn't even remember what they sang um, because they were carbon copies. It's like, just be unique. Be you. That was my long, long-winded answer to, to your question. But that's it. Just be you. No, think about, I mean, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about how much top 40s music, you know, can you not remember from being a teenager? But, yeah. you know, for me, it was the Kurt Cobain's, like the Nirvana world, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it was, I think about like the Led Zeppelins or whatever. Yeah. And it was not like, ooh, how much like the other top 40 can we make ours to try to like ride those coattails? Absolutely. That, absolutely. Like, I'm sure that's like a lower barrier to entry, but mm-hmm. it's also got such a glass ceiling, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Is that kind Ab- of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's you look at even what's on the radio now and there's a lot of great things out there, but there's also a lot of very EDM trap based things on the radio right now. Well, as an artist, you're not going to change your sound and all of a sudden start incorporating, you know, these electronic elements into your songs just so you can play on the radio. Now you've got to do what you're doing and hope that that's what catches people's ear a year from now, you know? Um, yeah, it just, it drives, it drives me absolutely crazy. There's nothing worse than listening to the same top 40 station and you hear again, love Taylor Swift, but you hear, you know, her songs, like five of them in an hour and you're like, come on, you know? Um, so 
yeah. Anyway, just be you. Just be unique. Just it, your sound is what makes you special. It it's what makes you uh, an artist that people are going to grab onto rather than just getting caught in the shuffle. You know, it makes me think about a friend who was, um, you know, in the graph design world. He was the head of the analog snowboard clothing brand for Burton Snowboards, mm-hmm. Joey Jorgensen. Um, and uh, he was helping do the design work for Child Rescue's youth campaign, the backyard broadcast at the high schools. Okay. Yeah. And we were kind of getting to these like endless machinations of what should we actually call it. Yeah. And finally, at one point, he's like, you know what, Jess? It really just doesn't matter that much. If you, <laughs> if you live it hard enough, they will eventually believe. That's so true. It's so true. Yes. Yes. And he was kind of like, listen, we just had to, you know, whatever we pick, we just got to commit to live it hard enough. Yeah, absolutely. And Fully commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, I kind of feel like that's part of what. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. I'm stealing it. <laughs> um, um, okay. Besides, you know, coming to your page here on ideationcollective.com and, and watching some of the Von Gray music videos and buying the books you've talked about, mm-hmm. um, what, what, uh, what other advice would you have for people, for the innovators out there, for the entrepreneurs out there in the world who are watching this? You know, to be, it, it's a very scary thing. It's a very scary thing to have an entrepreneurial mind because there's no safety net in that. And it's also, it makes it a very beautiful thing. And I think that the moment that you start second guessing what you're doing um, is, is when it's easy to want to um, fall into your safety net, you know, and, and fall into that job that, you know, you work 40 hours a week and you might hate it, but you make decent money and you have benefits and, you know, the world was never, ever made better by somebody that was just comfortable. You know, it's, it's the risk takers that, that really are, are changing the way things are done and, um, you know, and, and will forevermore be, you know, creating things that, um, that are changing the way that, everyday people live their lives. And that's, that's what I think that every entrepreneur needs to keep in mind is it's, it's easy to fall into a safety net and it's, it is the scariest thing in the world to make the jump, but you might change a lot of lives. You know, you might change a lot of lives and you will, you will never be bored. (laughs) Even, even if it's like you're in your car, you know, sleeping, you'll never be bored. (laughs) (laughs) Cure for boredom. You heard it here first. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thanks so much for making time for us. Really fun to talk. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you. And that's the show. Thanks for listening today. Again, if you're interested in the bonus materials that we will be producing, make sure to come to our website and join the Ideation Collective while it's still free. The website, iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. And as always, if you want to learn more about getting involved in helping the team rescue kids from traffickers, please visit iCollective.co slash child rescue. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.